foul to give for Houston. Nine tenths left. A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard down. And the Blazers win the series for the first time in 14 Welcome to the Midweek Exception, Episode 6. Oh, shoot, we forgot the episode title. Yeah, uh, Caw Caw vs. Lala, are we just taking that one? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that. That's a good name. That might be one of our best ones yet. I think it is. Yeah, so, so I'm Justin, and this is Grant. Say hello, Grant. Hey, guys. It feels uh, good today. I'm in my recording studio. And by recording studio, I mean I moved to my roommate's room, which is way closer to the router. Perfect. Get that good connection. Yep, so today, feeling official. Yeah. So today is what? April Wednesday. A- Wednesday, April 8th. This will probably be coming out tomorrow, though, for you guys. So the first thing we have on our list for our short lineup is the Hawks versus the Law. Fucking Chris Copeland got stabbed yesterday, him and his wife, when they were at a club in New York, and Tabo Cephalosha and Pero Antic, I think that's his name, of uh, the Atlanta Hawks were probably meeting up with him, and they ended up getting arrested for obstructing justice. Obviously, they did not stab him. Do not get that in your head. But this crazy. Like, yeah, it's really kind of absurd. It seems like really uh, they were kind of all in the wrong place at the wrong time, surrounded by the wrong people, because they made it seem like it was pretty late, like it was close to at the point where the club was closing, so it was definitely later at night. And it seemed like, from what the article by the uh, New York Daily News makes it sound like, is someone a random person was hanging around too close to them copeland and his wife didn't like it kind of mouthed off to him and then the guy was like well you know f off to the to something to that degree you know i'll be where i want to be then they're shouting and then this guy i think the last name of like murdoch ended up pulling out a knife and stabbing copeland and they're saying the wife's stabbing was incidental though and that she just kind of got dragged into it in the chaos however she still got stabbed which is just ridiculous it it makes no sense i mean it's just one of those things that really makes you think and makes you just simply curious about how something escalates that quickly yeah i mean i guess it must have been a little bit of the alcohol, people must have been a little bit too lit. I mean, that's like, like for this could happen like kind of to anyone, you know, but it's like surprising, especially when it happens to like big athletes. You know, Chris Copeland's not like, I know I'm, what I mean that I don't mean he, like he's always oh, famous, but Chris Copeland's not a small dude. He is six, eight. Like, that's not a guy you mess with, you know, and this guy just ended up stabbing him and his girlfriend. And then I assumed that. What was happening was, uh, what for what happened with uh, what's Antic and Stephalosha was that they got detained for obstruction of justice, which can I think that could mean just about anything. Like it could be uh, when they were asked to move, they simply didn't move. 
and they ended up ended up getting arrested for it. So that's that's probably not the biggest thing in my opinion. Like it's probably something small. Maybe they got they were probably a little bit lit too. Probably maybe just mouthed it off to the cops, you know, something like that. So unless more developments comes off from that, I'm gonna push that under the rug, not really worry about it. But dang, dude, that's the stabbing, dude. That's nuts. Like I don't like I can't even like fathom it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to believe, and, I mean, the Hawks are right in the thick of a, pl- of their, of a playoff push. Tabo is a, a big player. Both Tabo and Perantich are huge players for them, and huge, you know, especially role players coming off the bench. You wonder what, if there's going to be sus- some suspensions, and if they'll even be able to take effect by the time playoffs are in. But another thing that happened was apparently Tabo, like, sprained his ankle in the whole process. Yeah. I mean and that's that's pretty bad. So that's just another thing. And I mean Copeland although I mean he hasn't you know had that much success uh this season the Pacers as we'll get to later are still uh you know right in the middle of a playoff push for the 8 seed. They lose another rotational player like that certainly does not help them. Yeah, even though I think Copeland has kind of been losing minutes as the season has gone gone on so i mean that's still going to be a big hit for them in my opinion i think i really like chris copeland i like the way he plays and it helps that he was cheese in 2k12 back in the day so he was uh, a good success story too i mean he didn't he wasn't a rookie until a couple years ago and he's like 30 now yeah i spent a lot of time all over the place and finally broke into the nba uh, a couple years ago with the knicks and i mean it's really it's just it's sad that you know, they have to go through this and that they put themselves in this situation because, I mean, if you're getting stabbed in the abdomen, I mean, even if there's no suspensions involved, nothing like that, he's still not going to recover quickly enough. And again, that really hurts in the end and the short run when they're trying to win, basically yeah. win out and hopefully make a playoff spot. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see as the story develops. We'll see if the league has to take any actions. We'll see. That's kind of a hot story. I think we're only a few hours late. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll, see, we'll see how it goes. But that brings us to our next topic, and it, it is another piece of Pacers news. Paul George, he's yeah. back. He yeah. played on an NBA court this season when many people thought he would not, but he made his comeback uh, on Sunday. Had a pretty decent game. Uh, my biggest takeaway from it was just how tired he got, which I think was to be expected. I think a lot of people knew he would get tired, but it was almost like, it, me playing a rec ball like that's how tired he got so quick like it reminded it just made him seem more like a, like a common person like you know he got on the court he sprinted up and down a couple of times and then he was kind of like oh wow you know i haven't played this kind of level in a long time and i mean that'll come back they still i think got five games left it's either five or six i think games left that's time to play yourself in the shape get your conditioning down but i think uh did you have the his stat line? Yeah, I can break, I talk about that. He played. It was uh, the fifth of this month, and it was against Miami. They ended up winning the game. He only played about fifteen minutes, which is good to see. He was five for twelve, forty-two percent field goal, fifty uh, percent from three points. So he was he was three three of six, which is I think pretty good. And twelve points, two rebounds, two assists, and two steals. And then three turnovers. So, yeah, as you were saying, I mean, he 
got pretty winded after only about 15 minutes of play, which, I mean, is kind of to be expected. The dude, like, broke his entire fucking leg. So, I mean, you can only condition so much when you can't run, you know, things like rowing machine and all that. But it's not really a replacement for running. So now that he's back on his feet, hopefully give him some time, he'll be able to get his conditioning back, get back to the player that he used to be. Yeah, just all in all, good to see him out there. And again, 15 minutes, it's not a lot of time to get up 12 shots and even make five of them and go 50% from three. That's huge. I mean, that's huge for his confidence, too, and get just getting on the court. But uh, the more uh, fun, exciting injury news, is, as in putting an injury behind him, Derek Rose, uh, we're recording this Wednesday, but uh, people will probably not be listening until later on in the week. But the evening, in just two hours from when we are recording, Derrick Rose will return to an NBA court as well after missing the last uh, six weeks uh, after undergoing minor uh, knee surgery. Uh, and by minor, it really was minor. Wasn't it only like a like 20-minute like procedure? Yeah, it was really quick. I think he was already walking a little bit after they finished the surgery. So Yeah, so again, I mean, I have sky-high expectations for Derek. I really think he is going to come out with a vengeance. He hasn't played in the playoffs in uh, three seasons, and playoff Derek Rose is amazing. And I just remember his first um, playoff series against the Celtics, his rookie year, and I just have this feeling it's going to be something like that where he just he, he hasn't been there, you know, in so long, but he is just that kind of competitive player. He's going to get uh, like five games to um, get in, get into shape, get back into playing shape, and I just I really think he's going to take these playoffs by storm. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I want to see is I want to see more of those. We saw a little bit of it this season. It's those Derrick Rose plays at the rim where he's just drives and he gets that layup and it just looks beautiful i i really want to see more of that um his decision making i I hope that has improved maybe he's that time off has maybe helped his decision making i'm not sure what he could have done but maybe looking at tape and studying himself but hopefully that works out i'm not i mean i don't know if i'm in the same boat of i think he's gonna be have a running start out the gate. I, I'm thinking more maybe of an average average couple games and then maybe a really big game down the line, hopefully soon. But Well, we saw flashes of brilliance from Derek this year. I think he is kind of a he-can-turn-it-on-turn-it-off type of player um, at the moment. I think that he was treating this season a lot like that too because he didn't want to you know bust his ass every single night. And three quarters through the season, he realizes, you know, his knees are falling apart again because he is just trying to do too much. But the playoffs are a totally different season. He's gotten plenty of rest this year. You know, he just spent the six week, last six weeks rehabbing uh, and practicing, getting rest. You know, he, it's not one of those typical Thibodeau seasons where Derek's been out there for, you know, 35, 40 minutes a night for 82 games. Um, this has been different. He's coming into the playoffs with rest. Um, and I just think he is going to, this is going to be one of the things where the title's on the line. That's all he seems to care about. And he is going to bust his ass for a title. And this season, they've got a very, very good chance still. I mean, the East, I would say, is still wide open. Obviously, the Cavs are right there. But if they can meet the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, 
Um, I think all bets are off, and they can. I mean, the finals are right in in reach there, and I expect Derek to really perform. I know that statement. I got way ahead of myself, but that is how, like, high my expectations are for Derek and the Bulls. No, that's fair. I mean, dude, we got the the sirens going off in the background while you were doing that. Police might be coming to arrest you for having such high expectations. Jeez. They heard me talking about Copeland. They think I'm a witness. <laughs> They're coming for you, man. But yeah, so I mean, that's fair. I mean, I understand the the high expectations, and I I hope you're right. We'll see, because good Derrick Rose is good for the NBA. So we'll see how that works. Good for him. And so next we have Dwight Howard. Recently came back too. He's actually a little bit. I think he played just about maybe like four or five games or so. So we've gotten a little bit more of him. I know we're probably late to the draw on that, but Dwight Howard is back, and he's been playing pretty decent. He's He's on a he's definitely on a minutes restriction, probably trying to stay around twenty. And he's had some good games. His most recent game against uh OKC, he had twenty two points, eight rebounds, and two steals. That's ten of fifteen, played only twenty three minutes. So that's pretty pretty impressive for him. I'm happy to see him get back on the court too. Yeah, and I think with uh Dwight Howard, especially with the Rockets this year. It really didn't do them any good to bring him back any sooner because his he's the problem of, you know, he's a victim of just being a giant human being, so his body doesn't is just gonna start falling apart and that is kinda what is happening. I mean his back's gonna be basically ruined the rest of his career, his shoulders gonna be ruined the rest of his career. But he has these little you know, gaps uh where when he gets healthy and he just dominates again. And I think that's kind of What's going to happen, similar to what I was saying with Derrick Rose, I mean, I'm kind of expecting that with Dwight Howard. I mean, I still remember that Trailblazer series, those first couple games, he came out just, and he was a force to be reckoned with, and he was abusing the Trailblazers down low. And I think that's kind of what the Rockets have played for this year. They brought him back with a couple weeks left in the season. They're going to let him play himself back into shape, get re team and then it's going to be just, you know, the James Harden, Dwight Howard show come playoff times, and it's going to be Dwight Howard abusing people down low and James Harden, you know, being the MVP that he is. Yeah, I mean, I was just about to bring that up too. him in last year's playoffs. So this might actually be maybe a a blessing in disguise if maybe if we look at it at the end of the season, if he ends up having that rested, healthy, dominating postseason. And then it would have helped if in the end, Harden ends up getting the MVP because having Dwight Howard out definitely helped his case. He made him almost a one one show pony. I think that's just the same one trick, one, one trick tr- pony. Okay, one trick pony. We're making the Rockets a one trick pony, which would really help that James Harden MVP race. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think I think that's the reason I would pick uh, James Harden over Steph Curry is because he's pretty much been on the James Harden Island all season, and there's been no noticeable drop off in their play. Like he has really, I mean, again, Rockets aren't the team I watch the most, but I mean, he's really carried that team. Like I know they've got role players, they've got everybody, you know, kind of pitching in, and they've had various people, you know, step up, but. James Harden has been their rock the entire season, and he is the reason that you know they've locked up a top four seed in the West. And if you're a top four team on the Western Conference, you know that's it. You've done it. That you might as well be you know the best player on the best team essentially. Now I know the Warriors are you know head 
and shoulders above everyone else. But still, that Western Conference is so loaded, a top four team. I don't think the argument for, you know, oh, well, they had that much of a better record. I mean, now Steph Curry's play speaks for it, but I mean, James Harden has just been unbelievable when he's carried that team. Yeah, I totally agree with you. In short, I would just say, James Harden, The Rock, can you smell what James Harden is cooking? Hopefully, it's an MVP season. And, unrelated, I was at like a, I was at a convention this last summer, and one of the speakers there was um, Tim Grover, who was, um, what's his name, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant's athletic trainer. And so, it was a, it was a good seminar, it wasn't really that big a deal, but... Near the end, we were talking, and someone was someone had brought up, do you think James Harden should get MVP this year? And I was, like, laughing. I was like, are you serious? Because this is last summer. I was like, this dude can't even play defense. Are you crazy? And now it's like, that dude was just Nostradamus in disguise. Fucking just predicted next year's MVP. I'm, he was from, that guy was from Houston, so maybe... Maybe not that much. Maybe I'll take a little salt with it, but still, that was oh, just thinking. Just thinking about the jump James Harden went through this entire year is insane. But I mean, absolutely, he went from being kind of like uh, almost hated player to everyone kind of realizing, like, oh damn, like this guy is the real thing. Because I think, I mean, he just he got a lot of flack from a lot of people, and like you're saying, like coming this year. No one would have guessed it, but I mean, he's proven, I think, everybody wrong. And I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in the playoffs, as, especially, I mean, that Trailblazers series was really fun last year, but I mean, I'm kind of looking for to see what the Rockets can really do in the playoffs because they've kind of suffered that the heartbreak, you know, they were like an eight seed a couple of years ago and then they were the, um, and then they were the five, their four seed. And now they've, they've kind of gone, gone through those hardships and I want to see what they can do with their team kind of going into this playoffs. Definitely, definitely. Should be interesting to see. And the next, next. We have one more bit of Rockets news, correct? Yes. Sad news, actually. Another injury has upon them with, I don't know how to say his first name. I could say Monte, Monte Eunice, but is it Dantas Monte Eunice? I think that's, I think that's about it. That's really? the probable pronunciation. I always just actually say it out. I say Donatas, but I know I'm wrong with that, so just don't say that. <laughs> something, it's something like that. You know who we're talking about. Monty Yunus, he was basically their savior in disguise down low this season. He's been playing pretty damn well it's with Dwight Howard being out. he's maybe, a, maybe savior was too big of a word, but he's really helped them down low. I don't know how James Harden could possibly have saved saved that team, you know, been their savior without someone down low. And, you know, he's he's a good player. If you've watched his games, the dude is a smart three-point shooting, it, but can also bang down low type of big, and that's going to be a big miss for them so that he can't back up Dwight Howard in the postseason. Yeah. Um, it's kind of key for them, though. Dwight Howard just came back before he was out. And I think, yes, he's a great player. He offers them a lot of depth. But uh, come playoff time, I think they're going to be okay. I don't think that's kind of a deal breaker. If they were losing Dwight in the playoffs, I'd think a little differently. Um, but I think kind of Dwight's presence and a probable 
like lack of a minutes restriction once the playoffs come, I think that'll be able to make up for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think he's going to be a deal breaker for them, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I don't think he'll be a deal breaker, but it's kind of a sad thing, especially. I mean, it, the thing is, it doesn't. It's probably it's back injury, but it doesn't seem like it's like a very heavy back injury because if you look on his Twitter, there's his most recent tweet as of this time is actually him running on a treadmill, and so at least that's the bright side at least he's not just like down and out so he's trying to get back so we'll see i mean they they should be fine shouldn't be the biggest thing and then and uh in the west we have two new teams to add to our playoff contention uh the spurs and the mavs have since clinched clinched since our last um episode and now the six through eight in the east remains still up in the air as long as the eighth seed or as well as the eighth seed in the west yeah so the spurs once again what is this like the millionth time they've made it to the playoffs crazy so consistent and then the whole seeding in the west is all uh messed up right now i guess we can go right into our weekly check-in of the races for the AC in both conference. Um, we have in the West, there's only one spot available, but who's in that spot, Justin? Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Right, hopefully you guys have seen the video. I'll try to post it up somewhere. The Pelicans, Anthony Davis and the Pelicans trying to yeah. get that eight spot. And at this point, I think, I'm pulling I'm pulling for the Pelicans. Like I was kind of up in the air. I would have liked to see OKC healthy going in, in the eight seed just because I think those guys deserve to be there and it would have been a fun series. But with Durant, Ibaka out and just kind of Russell Westbrook just had been basically going ISO all day and cancer just trying to pick up some slack. I don't know. I just want to see Anthony Davis in the playoffs. The Pelicans are gonna get killed. Just like the Thunder, like the, this, this uh, healthy or the roster that the Thunder have, you know, without Kitty, obviously, um, would have gotten killed too. So I don't think, you know, it's that it's not going to be a disservice to the fans. And I just, I want to see Anthony Davis just like put up like thirty-five and like seventeen for five games against the Warriors. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's just an opportunity for them to play a little bit more, get that fan base going, get Anthony Davis some postseason experience, hopefully get a monster game. That would be great. I'm sure everybody would love to see at least one from Anthony Davis in this postseason. So that'd be cool. And yeah, I mean, good for them. They're trying to, they're really trying to get it. I think I'm curious to how this would affect Anthony Davis's uh, MVP contention, considering in my mind, I had always thought in the big earlier in the season, I was I was thinking, well, I don't think an MVP can be someone who doesn't make the postseason. You know, I'm sure people are still looking at Harden, and I believe the stats still show that Harden and it's between Harden and Curry most likely. But damn, dude, this dude had a really good season, and if they can make the playoffs, even though it's kind of based off OKC getting mad injuries. It's still it's still a good plus for them. I'm happy about that. Um no, I uh I definitely agree with that. Uh I think a lot of it I think a lot of it does come down to 
Um, you know, they're still the A seed. Uh, it certainly, I think, it is going to get them a lot more like second, third place votes. Maybe even a couple first place votes, but he won't be able to make the jump. However, over on the east side, that has gotten completely switched up since uh, we last spoke. Now, the Miami Heat aren't even in the playoffs, which I think is kind of unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty damn crazy. Looking at their roster right now, oof. Yeah, I think uh, everyone knows that the the Bucs are going to clinch sooner rather than later. Really, with the Bucs, I'm just hoping... um, they get a 500 record because I think they've played well enough this season uh, to, you know, hit that 500 mark. We'll see though. But from the seven seed to uh, the 10 seed is separated by two games. We got the Nets sitting in at seven with the game back. The Heat came back of the Celtics. Pacers are only a half game back from the Heat or a whole game out of eighth place. Now it's going to be really hard to overtake either the Celtics or the Nets at this point, just because there's so few games left and you're going to have to rely on teams losing. But I can say I am really disappointed. The Nets are in the playoffs. That's the team that disappoints me the most. I really Brooke Lopez just team on his back for the last couple of weeks and willed them into the playoffs going like, I think eight and two in like the last 10 or something ridiculous like that, basically just carrying them early. I think the heat have the roster to be in the playoffs. I think that would uh, be the more entertaining team to watch. I mean, you're going to play off Dwayne Wade and Dragic and all that. Um, and then even the Pacers like Paul George is back. I would have liked to see them get it. I don't mind the Celtics being there, but that race is just going to be really interesting to see how, Kind of they all jockey for position over the next week and a half. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, I mean, the the Nets are kind of a weird team. They seem to have found themselves very late in the season, especially. Well, like, I guess it works for them because they're in the East. But man, remember when Darren Williams used to be really good? He used to yeah. be damn good. I mean, and, he just got old in his game. I don't know. He just, yeah, I feel like he can't do it consistently. He's just. He just can't do it consistently anymore. He shows flashes, but, I mean, well, again, we probably remember him all the way back from his Illinois days, and yeah. he's, he's just always been a beast. Um, I mean, yeah, they could be fun, but, I don't know, that team just doesn't really do it for me anymore. Then, Like, the Nets, out of if this still had KG and, like, Paul Pierce, and we're trying to bring them, you know, one more playoff trip, that'd be fine, but... Nets just don't really appeal to me. I think there are better storylines and better playoff-suited teams like the Pacers or the Heat that would just be more entertaining come playoff time. Definitely agree with you there. All right, so let's move on to our next couple sections because we're already pushing 30 minutes. So don't look now. That's one of our – this is our sections where we – Point out players who are having some pretty good statistical stuff going on with them. Ooh, look at that sentence. In the next or in the previous week or so. So do you want to go first, Grant? Sure. I have come to the midweek exception, don't look now segment, to talk about none other than JJ Ridiculous. Hey, good timing. Considering Duke just won the national championship. So. Oh fuck off. Oh, 
Oh wait, shit! I forgot. You're an asshole. I forgot that you are a Wisconsin fan. I was, I, you know, I was rooting for Wisconsin too. Yes, I know you, you're rooting for Wisconsin, and yes, I'm a student at Wisconsin. And I mean, okay, we don't need to go into that too much. But I will say, I am not one of the salty Wisconsin fans claiming the refs lost us the game. I'll and, say that, and I will not mention anything else besides that the Badgers had an amazing season and that they need to. Like keep their heads held high because that was arguably the greatest season in Wisconsin basketball history. I totally agree with you with everything you said. But yes, continue with JJ. So, so JJ Redick. I'm just gonna read off his uh, April stats. Or no, I'll go his last ten games because April he's only played like five games. So his last ten games in uh, 30 minutes, he's been shooting 54%, grabbing two and a half rebounds, throwing out two assists. And scoring 21 points a game. I mean, he's just been on fire. He that's he's got it's five more points a game than he's been averaging for this whole season. He's shooting like six percent better, you know, from basically every from both the uh, uh, three and um, two. I mean, he's just having a monster kind of set of games here. Basically, since I think since March 1st, he has nine 25 point games which is only the only other people to have than him are Westbrook uh Curry and Harden so the three MVP candidates so JJ Redick is on a ridiculous streak right now yeah good company to be keeping with those with that with uh what Westbrook yeah that's good so yeah I mean seems to be fighting himself more and more as the years go by I've always liked him. I liked him when he was in Orlando. So I'm happy he's finding at least statistical success in uh, with the Clippers right now in L.A. But yeah, so I'm actually on the flip side, on the other side of the coin today. I'm looking at, well, well this is like almost exactly the opposite with Michael Carter-Williams' shot chart. And it, dude, it just looks like ass. It looks like absolute ass right now. Dude is not shooting good at all, which is sad considering I'm sure a lot of people thought that when the Bucks picked him up from the 76ers that he would be an improvement over Brandon Knight, but it's not looking that way so far. The guy is shooting 28% from the from one corner and then 11% from one corner from three-point range, and his mid-range game is not that good either, looking... About about the top of the key, he's only shooting 32%. And then, I mean, I've seen at the rim, he's shooting about 54 which he should be doing better. And then from the left, a little bit left to the top of the key, that's he's only shooting 30%. And overall, he's just a horrible, really bad three-point shooting this year. Definitely needs to improve that stroke if he wants to be looked upon as even remotely close to good this season. I mean, it's it's bad. I'll say from the Bucks games I've watched, it feels like he's only successful when he is like posting up the point guard that's defending him, like down low, right next to the basket. That's the only time where I'm looking at MCW and I can I'm consistently like, oh, he's he's got a good chance of making this shot. And it's only because he's like six inches lower than every other point guard. He really he looks lost a lot of the time. 
I think a lot of people expected kind of him to right the ship a little bit in Milwaukee when he wasn't just he basically given when they're not basically running scrimmages every single night in like they were in Philly. Um, he has not corrected his kind of uh, inefficiencies. Really, they need to lock him in a gym this summer and just say, shoot. Yeah. They're not going to say where. and not going to be like, oh, work on your threes. You know, work on your mid-range. It's just going to be like, work on shooting. Like, learn how to shoot. That is going to be <laughs> that's gonna be what Jason Kidd is going to have to do. Um, again, I've said since the trade, they should have taken the Lakers pick. I think that was one of the worst decisions uh, they made was just getting suckered into MCW's uh, height and wingspan. Um, I mean, I'm going to be like Bill Simmons with, with that trade. <laughs> and with, <laughs> I'm just going to always come back to that. Cause I mean, you've got good guards, like even later in the draft, you've got guards just that simply seem more suited for Milwaukee. They, you know, they don't need, that length anymore they need more like they need shooting they need people stretching the floor so a guy like Giannis doesn't have to be a jump shooter but we can go into plenty of Bucks stuff but I'm sure uh in our off-season seg like segment for the Bucks we'll be able to talk about all this plenty you know what I was I was thinking about this I feel like for an NBA podcast we talk about the Bucks a lot more than probably a lot of other NBA podcasts I feel yeah, like we it's because of about... me. It's just because yeah. I'm I'm in Wisconsin and I'm surrounded by uh, Bucks fans these days. And well, for a while, uh, the only like basketball games we got on TV were uh, like FS uh, Wisconsin, and it was those were so it was just all Bucks games. So when they were absolute trash last year, I probably watched like seventy five percent of the Bucks games, oh, but man. they were just always on mute because. Uh, they need to change their announcing crew, and I will stand by that. Like that. That was the worst part about watching the Bucks. It wasn't like how bad they looked. It was how bad their announcing was. Mm. But, yeah, but back to what I was saying. That's, I mean, we give them a lot of attention, even though we're kind of sometimes we're going in on them, we're roasting them a little bit. But, hey. I'm sure they're just happy to get the be getting the attention. So. Oh yeah, I mean I've got a I've got a soft spot for the Bucks. I don't dislike the Bucks. I no. dislike certain aspects of them, and I disagree with some of the stuff they do. But all in all, I've got a very soft spot for the Bucks and the city of Milwaukee, just in general. I like Milwaukee. Of course, definitely. I'm the same way. Healthy relationship. We're, Absolutely. We're, we are hard with them because we love them. It's like what your your parents probably told you growing up. <laughs> like I'm very strict with you, but it's because I love you. So yes, exactly. Um, I think it's time to uh, talk about our games of the week. Yep, sounds good. I am cheating again, like I usually do. I don't think I think <laughs> I've only like played by the rules once, but uh, I'm picking two games because the Saturday NBA TV lineup is just on point. You've got the first game at six thirty. You've got Toronto visiting Miami. Um, I think Miami is going to win this game because they are fighting for much more than Toronto is. Toronto is going to get their division, so they're going to get a top four seed regardless, which is a whole nother conversation we could have, Justin, but we won't. (laughs) Um, But I think Miami is going to be, they're playing for their life. I think Dragic wants back in the playoffs. Wade obviously wants back in the playoffs. Um, I think Miami is too good to not at least be really competitive over the last couple of games. I, they're not the team that's going to, you know, go lose 
and go one and four when the playoffs are on the line. Uh, so I'm looking for Miami to, to win this game. I think it's going to be ugly, but it's going to be a good game. And my second game is the, the uh, later game on NBA TV. It's Memphis uh, visiting the Clippers. I think this is kind of a, a playoff preview. Um, I know they're not they're not slotted to play each other. I don't think. I think with the the jockeying that could happen, I think they could fall into the right place. But even if uh, we don't see them in the playoffs, it's a callback to the last uh, couple of playoffs. And I think Memphis is going to manhandle the Clippers. I think we're going to see uh, you know the playoff versions of both teams. But I think it's been pretty. To me, it's pretty proven that. Memphis is the better playoff team, and I'm looking for it kind of be to like the Zebo abuses Blake show. Yeah, I mean, th- those are just good playoff se- series when you get that little bit of hate in the big men of Los Angeles and Memphis. I I would be so hype if they got to play each other again this postseason. That'd be great. I'd be so happy. Yeah, it definitely would be. And you, I think you've got probably the most the. uh the funnest game out of the three we've picked. Yeah, I mean, I picked the Pelicans versus the Rockets coming this Sunday at 6 p.m. And I actually picked the Pelicans to win this game. I think that, as I said last week, I know we kind of laughed about it, but necessity breeds innovation. I think the Pelicans may be trying to get that eighth seed. I don't think they can lose many more games I feel like they're gonna put the team, what's the team on their back? Yeah, Anthony Davis put his team on the back, on his back, try to jam it on Dwight Howard. Hopefully, have a good game. Hopefully, they get away with the win. I know. I think I'm. I, we have to wait for John to come back so he can tell us the uh, how good we are at guessing, like our stats on how we're going so far. So in my head, I'm still three and zero. So, but this is. I feel like this is the underdog pick still. So we'll see. I'm putting it on the line. I'm I'm risking it all on the Pelicans on Anthony Davis. So Yeah, well risky picks are better too. That's what I've been preaching. I think it's stupid if it's like, oh I'm gonna pick the Spurs playing the Lakers. And I you know what? <laughs> you know, I think the Lakers are gonna really push him, but the Spurs are gonna win. You know, I think I think Dwight Howard or not Dwight Howard, I think Tim Duncan might have a good game. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he might put up a double-double, you know, the rare double-double from Tim Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so oh, rare. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think Miami, my Miami pick, I'm not too confident with. I think I'm only sitting at, like, 500 because I've got, like, four extra picks in my record than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> than everyone um, else here somehow. Yeah. Like, eight games, we've only been doing the podcast, like, six times. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's because those Celtics games have been uh, – have been good, and that whole eight uh, Eastern playoff seed has been really interesting. Um, do you have any uh, parting words, or you got any final notes you got you want to cover? No, I think that's everything. I think that's a podcast. Yeah, I think that is a podcast. We got actually even some content we didn't uh, touch on. A little, I'll just give a, a Twitter news flashes. The Bucks did unveil plans for a new stadium. The long-awaited plans for a new stadium oh. um and i uh, will go into more detail later in on that but it looks pretty cool and uh you guys should uh check it out sounds good have a good week internet
you've been listening to the Midweek Exception. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Follow us on Twitter at MWException.